0: Hey everyone, this is Mike Wilk, I'm the uh, Medical Student Council President for AAEM RSA, and I'm bringing you um, our next student podcast episode, this is our second episode, and we really have an all-star cast on today. Our topic is how to match in emergency medicine, and with us we have Dr. Victoria Weston, she's uh, currently the AAEM RSA President, and she's also a fourth year at Northwestern, and then we also have Dr. Kevin Rogers. Um, who's been involved in emergency medicine for many, many years and has done countless things. And he's contributed many things to the field. Um, and he's currently uh, at Indiana University and is the program director emeritus. Thanks for coming, guys. Really, really excited. We'll have a great episode coming up for you. As I mentioned, our topic today is how to match into emergency medicine. And we're really going to focus on, you know, after your first and second, and even third year, you know, you know you're going to emergency medicine. What are the things that you can do? towards the end of your third year and into your fourth year to make sure you get the best program possible for you. So our first topic that we're going to talk about is how many emergency medicine rotations should students do? So Dr. Rogers, do you have any uh, tips for that?
1: Um, Yes. I think the most important thing is doing probably at least two rotations. When program directors look at ARIS applications They're looking for what's called a standard letter of evaluation, or a SLO. And rotating at residency programs, each of those programs will generate a SLO after you rotate with them. And by doing two different ones, it it gives you not only an opportunity to experience potentially two different settings, i.e. academic versus community or rural versus urban programs, but for program directors, they can look for consistency and performance between two different places and also from one one uh, rotation to another, some degree of improvement, which we'd like to see in all candidates.
0: Okay, great. And do you have anything to follow up with that, Vicky? You know, how many rotations did you do as a student?
2: Yes, I would agree with Dr. Rogers. I would say at least two because you're picking a career for the rest of your life. And I think you know, doing it for more than one month is really ideal. And I think also because emergency medicine varies so much depending on where you're practicing. It's very different to practice at an urban county hospital uh, versus an academic tertiary care center versus at uh, more of a community site. So I think, you know, you may not get exposed to everything as a student, but it's helpful to know not only to do two rotations, but to do two rotations in different environments so that you can get a flavor for what those environments are and where you might want to do your residency. I would also recommend that you schedule those early, especially if you're doing an away or an audition rotation, as they can tend to fill up. And you want, as Dr. Rogers mentioned, to have those things ready for when you apply so that you've already done those rotations, you have letters of recommendation, and that's all done. What I would say is that you can also choose wisely during the rest of your fourth year and pick rotations that will help make you a better resident. So for instance, I did an anesthesia rotation in the spring of my fourth year of medical school, and it was very, very valuable, and I'd already intubated several times by the time I started my intern year. So I think just not only thinking about which rotations you do in emergency medicine, but also how else you can make your fourth year valuable as well.
1: Yeah, those those are great points, Vicki. I think I'd also add that um, you said early. That's a great point. That means really June, July, and August. That way you'll actually have your standard letter of evaluation finished and in ARIS when it opens on September 15th. Uh, the second thing I throw in is you know, when you are actually going, where am I going first versus second, uh, if you have a place you'd really like to go, do that rotation second, because inherently, you will probably perform better on the second emergency medicine rotation. So the place you really want to go, you want to shine. So I would do the first one sort of as a warm-up, um, and the second one um, at the place that you really want to end up, if if you have to have a choice like that.
0: All right, great, great. That's all really great advice. So we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, to our next topic, um and just specifically the application process, And, you know my first question for you, dr. Rogers, is what do you what are program directors really looking at when you open up ERAS and you're looking at student applications? what are the really the most important aspects to a person's application?
1: I think when program directors are seeking to send invitations out. It's a pretty daunting task. Most programs are going to have somewhere um, between 800 and 1,100 applications to sift through. So I think one filter that program directors often use just to kind of judge where people might be is your USMLE scores. They're certainly not the be-all and the end-all. They're also actually not as important after you've interviewed, to tell you the truth. But I think initially, Program directors kind of look at USMLE, they look at SLOWs that have already been uploaded. Um, As you can imagine, a lot of programs send out invitations ahead of October 1st, which is when your MSPE from the school comes out. Uh, So they're making decisions on uh, limited information. And typically, like I said, the USMLE and the SLOWs are what they're uh, hanging their hats on.
0: All right, great. And then when you advise students, how many do you advise them to apply to? I'm I'm sure it varies based on how competitive they are. Right. That's a great
1: question. I think, first of all, always uh, involve your advisor. And if you don't have an advisor, um, potentially a PD that you met along the way or a PD at the program uh, at your medical school uh, in terms of this question, because it varies a little bit. But I would, what I tell people, you know, if you're a top-notch candidate, you know, the typical person who's got two slows where they got honors and they're in the top quartile of their class. Typically, you can limit yourself to 10 or 12 programs. You don't have to really spend a lot of extra time. You're probably going to match to one of those programs if you're a top-notch candidate. Um, And we've spent a lot of time uh, with CORD, the Council of Residency Directors, having discussions about the fact that people are really scared and they're you know, over applying to programs. There are top notch candidates are actually seeking interviews at like 30 and 40 programs, which I think, you know, unfortunately that steals slots from people that are in the next quartile um, or the quartile below that. I think if you're a second quartile performer, um, you're sort of a honors high pass person on your slows, then somewhere between 12 to 20 programs is very reasonable. After that, obviously, a third quartile person is going to need to move up into the 25 range. And a fourth quartile person, it doesn't mean that you cannot match an emergency and We certainly match a lot of those people. Um, but I would also say if you're in the fourth quartile, you want to have a backup a plan as to what happens if by a very small chance you don't match.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you. And, Dr. Weston, do you have any um resident perspective on, you know, interaction with students that makes you say, oh, I really want this student to be in the residency program or how, how much involvement do you have in that actual application process and then, you know, eventually making a rank list?
2: Um, so I think those are great questions. I do want to step back just before I forget and um, give some advice from when I was a student. So. You know, you're applying for a job, and you really want that application to be clean. So there are certain things like your step scores and your grades that are are kind of said and done with. But your personal statement and your application can really help you. So I would say definitely start drafting that personal statement early. It's a really hard thing to write, and then make sure your um, both your personal statement and your application are clean, that they're free of errors. Don't embellish things. If you know, just be honest about what you've actually done. And what I did with several, you know, we were about four of us. We sat down prior to sending in our ARAS applications and we passed our applications around the table, printed out, and we all went through and edited each other's applications and personal statements. And I found that that was very helpful. You're getting feedback from your friends. You're making sure that because once you've looked at something a million times, you may not see that punctuation or capitalization error that someone with fresh eyes might catch for you. Um, As far as students with applications, I mean, if you're on an away rotation, for example, we have students rotate with us at Northwestern. You really do want to put your best foot forward. Always be positive, be on time, be willing to work hard, have a can-do attitude. And I think, you know, if you shine well on your rotation, there's certainly people who stand out as being really excellent. And, you know, we'll all have some input into that if someone really does a great job. So I, I would say that those, the resident input does matter, at least in our program.
1: Yeah, I agree. The personal statement is very important um, but make sure you're telling something special about yourself you don't want it to be generic or vanilla and please program directors will love you if it's less than one page
0: all right thank you so we'll go ahead and move on to the the interview process um, you kind of talked about you know how many applications and how many interviews to go on when, when you're actually on the interview you know what should i do um, and what should medical students do to prepare for the actual interview
1: That's a great question. I think, number one, make sure that you've you've examined their website, you've read everything you can about the program, and that you're very knowledgeable. It's interesting that a lot of program directors will ask candidates about information that they should know uh, that's easily accessible. Uh, The other thing is most programs have some type of a, a social event the night before you interview. I would try to put all your effort into making sure you make that if you can. Um, You get an opportunity to meet several different residents, uh, and it uh, does not bode well if you miss that for any reason.
0: And uh, Dr. Weston, do you have any input?
2: I would just also emphasize how important it is to go to that pre-interview social. Obviously, things happen, flights get delayed, you know, but if you can make it, you should go. And I think that that was one of the most valuable parts of interviewing because, You get a lot of information about the program from talking to the residents in a more low-key environment, but you also can see, like, is this a good fit for me? Would I be happy here for the next three or four years? Are these people who I could see being friends with? And so I think you really need to see, like, is this program a good fit for me? So I think that's important. Um, I would say something that people don't always think about, but attire, you want to be nice, casual, like you don't have to wear a suit, but you still want to look nice for those um, as far as the interview process, I would agree it's important to be familiar with the website. Do your homework. If someone asks you what questions you have, I agree. Like if something's really obvious on the website, and it's it, you know you don't want to ask bad questions, but you want to show interest. If someone asks if you have any questions, have some questions kind of ready in your mind to ask different people so that you can be engaged during your interview. I would also say when you interview, it's it's nice to know if you find out ahead of time who you're interviewing with, to look them up a little bit. So don't be a stalker but like, did they go to the same college as you? Did they go to the same med school as you? Are they from the same hometown as you? Do they have research interests that are what you want to do? You know, those are things that are worth knowing. You don't have to read every paper they've ever written or be crazy about it, but, you know, being able to build on those interests can be valuable. I would also just say some other interview things, having um, done this not too long ago, is just be prepared, be on time, Make sure you have a nice suit. Bring some extras when you pack. If you're on the plane and you're going to... I usually took a carry-on bag, but if you're going to have to check your bag, make sure you're wearing something that, you know, God forbid your bag got lost, you wouldn't be embarrassed to show up to the interview in the next day. And I would say just prepare for the interview just not only by reading but also practicing questions out loud so again I met with some friends before we did this and it was friends who were going into emergency medicine and we just went back and forth and practiced answering questions together because you may find that especially for some of the the tougher ones like what are your weaknesses or tell me about a difficult situation that you may want to Practice saying things a few different ways, but not to the point where you're totally rehearsed and have everything memorized, but just so you've at least thought about it, especially if you're someone who's not really good on your feet, then it's it's kind of good to prepare and it can take some of the nerves out of the process. Uh, one last thing, if you mention things in your application, be prepared to talk about it. So if you mention that you are first author on a research paper or have an abstract, if someone asks you what you'd studied, you should be able to explain that. So... One additional point, not to go on too long, but if someone asks you a weird question or you're not quite sure how to answer it, just take a minute and think about it. Don't let things throw you. Emergency medicine, things sometimes you have to just go with the flow. And so I think being able to do that during an interview is an important skill as well.
1: Yeah, the trick there is to actually repeat the question after they ask it. That'll give you time to think. Um, And one last thing I would add, make sure you've got several different contact phone numbers. Uh, for people that are available after the office closes, in case your, you know, plane gets canceled or you get delayed somewhere, so that you actually have somebody you can call and let them know what's happening.
2: One last thing I want to add as well is just if people ask you about your experiences in other programs, you just always be positive. Like it's a small world; we all have friends in other residencies, we all have contacts in other residencies. Like just always be positive. Be careful what you say.
0: All right, that's all great advice. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to specifically looking at residency programs. And as a, as a student, what should uh, medical students be looking for in a residency program?
1: I think the first thing, Mike, is you've got to ask yourself really two questions. First question is, what is the primary factor that's driving my residency search? Uh, and the second question is, what learning environment really allows me to maximize my potential? Because when you're looking at programs, every program is a little bit different. Every program has something special to offer. Learning environments are highly variable between programs. And I think if you can arrive at an answer to both of those questions, that will help focus your um, you know, process while you're looking at different programs. I think the next thing is you know, there's a whole list of things to look at when you're looking at a program. But I think the most important thing is to realize that the interview season is very long. And at the end of the day, you know, come time to put your match list together, you really want to be able to recall all the information that you found out about programs and your impressions. And so I think it's important to put together either a spreadsheet. Actually, there is a thing called the NMRP match prism that will allow you to do that, record information. But... You know, come Jan, the end of January, you want to really
0: be able to recall all the things that you found out, so that you can compare oranges to oranges. Okay, great. And Dr. Wesson, uh, do you have anything to follow up with that on, you know, what you were looking for in a residency program? Uh,
2: I think the spreadsheet is a great idea, and that's wonderful advice from Dr. Rogers. I also just kept it simple. In addition, I did have a spreadsheet, but I also just had a Word document where I just as I interviewed, I ranked places one to whatever, and I updated that as I went. So when I had come time to rank, I still met with my advisor, and I had to figure a few things out, but I had a general sense of like what was in my top tier, what was in my bottom tier, what was more in the middle, and that helped it make it less of a daunting task to make a rank list later on. I also took some notes after each interview. It doesn't necessarily have to be a in a spreadsheet checkbox format, but just... I think sometimes when I looked back, my kind of freehand comments about what I thought about the day or the night before dinner were really helpful in making that decision on some of the places where I was sort of deciding between. And I agree with Dr. Roger think you have to think about what kind of career do you want to have? What are you looking for? What are your goals? And I think that will help you um, get a better sense of where you want to be. All right. All right. Great,
0: thank you. So lastly, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, um, you know, after the interview, what do we do? This is actually a really common question that a lot of my friends have asked me is, do we write a thank you note to every single person we interviewed with? And some at some programs, there's up to eight interviewers. So, you know, this is something I'm really curious about, too. Dr. Rogers, what, what would your advice be on thank you notes?
1: I think you want to um, somehow acknowledge a thank you to the program. So it's I think it's okay in today's electronic world to actually just you know, electronically reply in an email. You can put everybody on the same email and just write a note back to all of them. I don't think it necessarily has to be an individual email to each person. Some people like to do that, especially if they connected with somebody at the program um, about something special that they may want to do. For example, we had a candidate last year that was really interested in disaster medicine, and he very appropriately wrote an email back about disaster medicine and training to one of the faculty he had interviewed with, who's the head of the Disaster Medicine Fellowship. So I think an individual contact like that can be valuable. But in general, I think just responding to the program, your interest um, and a thank you is important. I can tell you at the end of the day, when we review files uh, for our rank list, If we have not heard from that person, if they didn't get back to us with an email or, you know, any kind of communication after they interviewed with us, pretty much that spells to us that they're not interested. Uh, So I think if you are interested, make sure you have at least some type of contact thanking the
0: program. Okay. And Dr. Weston, do you have any um, advice on thank you notes?
2: I definitely agree. It's important to send a thank you note. I think it's also just the right thing to do. I mean, the programs and the people who interviewed you took time out of their busy schedules to meet with you. They're trying to find a great class for next year. They're they're seeing if they want to invest in your future. And I think as an acknowledgement of the time they've invested in meeting you, it's it's the appropriate thing to do. And I think that goes not just for Um, residency interviews but beyond when you're applying for jobs I personally sent thank you notes to everybody and I've talked with some friends just since some of my friends are interviewing for our program and I think it's a nice gesture I think that I think it's nice to send individual thank you notes but I think you should personalize them a little bit if you're going to do it and I would say that don't forget to thank the residents who interviewed you not just the attendings and the faculty as well And, uh, it's, it's nice. I usually did it by email. I think I personally have terrible handwriting and it's just, it's people tend, it's just more convenient, honestly. So, um, I, when I was on the interviews as a student, I tried to make sure I got people's email addresses. If you don't have them, you can always go through the program coordinator. Uh, don't forget to say thank you to the program coordinator and be polite to them as well. They definitely have input and, uh, put a lot of work into the interview day as well.
0: Okay, great. Um, and then, Last question that I would have is, should we email our top program near ranking time? And if the answer to that is yes, should we email our top two programs or top three programs? You know, how should we go about when it comes down to February and we're getting ready to, to make our final rank list? You know, how many programs should we contact that we're ranking them highly or we're ranking them number one? Dr. Rogers? Uh,
1: that's a tough question. You know, programs will appreciate you telling them that you're very interested. And I think that probably does go a little bit into how people rank uh, candidates at the end of the day. But, you know, it's the sort of, you know, programs calling you up and telling you you're number one on their list. They probably called 40 people and told them the same thing. Um, And so, and candidates often will, you know, call a lot of programs and say, hey, you know, I really want to come there, you're number one. But I think it's better to be just general. Hey, I am really interested in your program. I was impressed with this, impressed with that. And I think probably, you know, emailing your top 10 choices uh, that you are still very interested and we're excited to be able to interview there and that you, you know, you found these important things about the program that you think would really match uh, your learning style and your interests uh, just, you know, kind of solidifies for program directors uh, that, that you're serious. But, you know, like I said, you have to be careful. I would not necessarily think that you have to tell people, Oh, you're number one or you're number two or any kind of order, uh, other than just true
0: general interest in the program. Okay. And Dr. Weston, any advice on that?
2: I would also agree. I, I only emailed about four or five and I felt like that was enough. And I basically just said, I really enjoyed meeting you and something along the lines of that. I'm ranking you very highly. You don't have to commit to a number one unless they are your first choice. But if you're going to tell someone your first choice, only do that for one place place. And like, if you're going to do it, make sure that you actually rank them number one, because if you tell someone you're they fir- they're your first choice and then you don't match there, that looks kind of bad. So things to think about, Um, You don't have to tell someone your first choice. If you're not sure, don't do it. Just say, I'm very interested and I'm ranking you highly.
1: And and I think everybody needs to realize it's program directors from programs that often see the same candidates. They talk to each other. So, you know, you have to be careful what you say to different programs and what you say to program directors, because certainly they're they're conversing with each other and comparing and
0: contrasting people that they've interviewed. All right, great. That's all great advice. So that'll kind of conclude the the episode for now on how to match into emergency medicine. And just some final comments. I just wanted to let Dr. Rogers and Dr. Weston give a quick shout out um, about their program. So Dr. Rogers at uh, Indiana University, can you tell us a little bit about your program and what makes it great?
1: Sure. I think um, our program is that great clinical atmosphere. We have about 260,000 patient visits across three different hospitals, including a pediatric hospital and three level one trauma centers. So people are pretty well trained clinically. But to tell you the truth, I think the focus of our program is preparing you for your 30-year career and all the different skill sets, many of which have nothing to do uh, really with taking care of patients, but prepare you for all the other opportunities that may come down the career road uh, that emergency medicine presents. Um, so we focus a lot on your total development as a person um, and
0: your future in you know, the, a career in emergency medicine. All right, great, and Dr. Weston, you wanna tell us a little bit about Northwestern?
2: Sure, uh, Northwestern is a four-year residency program. Um, I'm a fourth year resident and very happy to have trained at my program. I think some things that are important to know in our program is that we have graduated responsibility, meaning you progress through each year and you have different responsibilities and learning tasks and milestones to meet. Our home base is Northwestern Memorial Hospital, which is in downtown Chicago. It's a few blocks from Michigan Avenue. It's right in the middle of the city. But we also do rotations at other sites, including Lake Forest, which is a community site in the north suburbs. Uh, We rotate at Methodist Hospital in Gary, Indiana, which is... um, A community experience in Gary, which is very different than Northwestern. We rotate at Lurie Children's for our pediatrics training. And then we uh, go over to Cook County for our trauma and toxicology rotation. So we rotate in several different clinical environments and get a lot of very different experiences during our time in residency. I would say another key point about Northwestern is that we do several months of critical care training. So it's a big part of our residency. We serve as Mickey senior residents during our second year, which I think is very unique and very valuable. And then uh, we have some elective time that allows us to do unique things, for example, to travel abroad or things that you might not have the time to do once you're done with residency. We do have colleges, and if you have interest in research or administration or teaching, there are a lot of opportunities to develop your career and your interests, um, not just as a clinician but as a well-rounded emergency physician. Uh, Last but not least, I grew up in Chicago. I love it. It's a wonderful place to live. It's a great city, a lot of fun things to do. And I would say certainly it's more expensive than if you were to live somewhere um, less urban, but it's, it's affordable for a big city, and you can still live really well and have a great social life outside of work.
0: All right. Great. Thank you. So that concludes our episode. We'll go ahead and uh, close everything up. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, have a good one. Thank you so much, Mike, for having us.
2: Thank you, Mike. All
0: right. Thanks again. Take care.